Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, buddies. How you doing? It's Jimmy, and this is my podcast, Jimmy the Governor from the Bunker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast, as long as that's the iHeartRadio app or iTunes. It's up there, too, and probably some... Uh, other lesser-known places, but uh, get it on the iHeartRadio app. Do me a solid, would you? Uh, here's the thing. We didn't put out a podcast last week. Uh, some of that is due to technical problems. Uh, other parts of that are uh, due to my incompetence. Uh, some would say uh, laziness. Did I, did I rush to get it out? No, I didn't. Uh, because here's the thing. I thought this might be a, a cool thing. Uh, two podcasts in a row were supposed to be uh, sort of ukulele-related. Uh, which I can I can hear some of you just going like and play next right now. Uh, here's the thing I've got uh, kind of obsessed with the uh, ukulele. I don't know. It brings me joy. It's one of the few things in life outside of my family that uh, I, I truly love at, at this point in my life. So uh, that's sort of uh, to a degree what any of uh, my shows are about, be it the radio show or this. And uh, two weeks in a row, I, I talked to ukulele-related people, one being Chris Kamaka of uh, the Kamaka & Sons Ukulele Company, the world's finest ukulele makers. Uh, and this was a, a few weeks back. Uh, in that time, I have since purchased a Kamaka ukulele. In fact, I'm waiting here uh, in my basement studio for the doorbell to ring. It should be arriving any moment. I am super stoked. If you go over and uh, follow me on Instagram, at Radio Governor, I'm sure you'll see a picture of it uh, at some point this weekend. Uh, the other person I talked to is a guy named Tyler Ostenfeld, who, uh, the more I think about it, is probably the, uh, the most famous ukulele teacher in the world. He's got uh, a YouTube page called 10thumbspro.com, and when I first picked up a ukulele, uh, and you search, like, beginner, how to play ukulele on YouTube, this guy's face pops up more than anybody else. I thought, well, this is certainly the guy, and he is. Uh, what I didn't know is how interesting a story he has. Guy that grew up uh, in Michigan, moved down to like South America, and uh, just bopped around, found himself uh, a broken guitar, learned how to play it from YouTube, and then picked up a ukulele and thought, well, I can do this too. I can teach people how to play a ukulele on YouTube if I learned how to play a guitar on YouTube. And uh, ends up making a, a nice living for himself doing that, which is cool. Now, if you're not interested in ukulele, which I'm guessing some of you aren't, uh, it doesn't mean you have to turn this off. Because if you're interested in creating content for social media, th there's some helpful stuff in here. If you're interested in uh, instrument making or just business in general, a great family story, uh, you know, that goes back more than a hundred years of, of this Kamaka family that makes the world's greatest ukuleles. The, the craftsmanship that goes into these is unbelievable. Uh, it, these are certainly uh, worth a listen, but this is like the, uh, ukulele super show podcast. And we're going to get back to comedians and uh, musicians and that kind of thing. 
uh, a little later on uh, in the upcoming weeks. We've got some cool stuff lined up. So uh, here it is. If you're a fan of the uh, uke or ukulele, as I find myself saying sometimes, uh, and I feel pretentious when I do that. So, uh, I, you know, occasionally it slips out of my mouth. I go back and forth between the two. But uh, either way, here it is. Jimmy the Governor from the bunker, the ukulele or ukulele. Uh, Super Show with Chris Kamaka and Tyler Ostenfeld. Enjoy! You know what that music means? It means we actually need to change the music. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big on this, uh, this intro music here. I, I made this really, really quick, just like on my iPad. I've got everything down here, like in the studio. I, I you know, just got to do something else with it. I think I'm going to do a, a ukulele thing. That is uh, probably not a surprise to a lot of folks, if you listen to the radio show, if you listen to the podcast, you know, uh, the in the past two months, the ukulele talk has has kind of gone through the roof. We went from 0% ukulele talk to more 15% of the time now, because uh, really, when it boils down to it, uh, it is kind of, uh, you know, the, the podcast especially is sort of what I'm into uh, at the moment. Now, I will tell you, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh... And I've, I've told this story before. I saw a uh, ukulele for sale, and it had a cool Grateful Dead kind of uh, thing on it. And I thought, you know, let me strum around on that. I played guitar for 30 years. Let me play around on this. And if I don't like it, I'll hang it on the wall, and, and that's kind of the end of it. But uh, turns out, love it. Uh, I've, I've sort of become obsessed with it. In fact, in the, in the past two months, uh, number one, I think I've gotten uh, not half bad at playing it. Uh, also, I, I've purchased seven of them now. And uh, we've had some ukulele-related uh, people on the show. We had Foggy Otis on, who's a, a great player. A lot of people enjoyed that one. I talked to him for like an hour. He played a bunch of songs. And it was a, a really good time. What I wanted to do, though, is I wanted to talk to an ukulele maker uh, because that's an interesting process to me. I like to know what goes into this. And I thought, well, if I'm going to talk to somebody, let me talk to the ukulele maker. The company that is like uh, the the Cadillac of the ukulele, and, I, and what I mean by that is uh, there is a level of quality that's expected in a Cadillac. There is a level of quality that's expected in this uh, ukulele, and that is uh, the Kamaka and Sons ukulele. And uh, yeah, gorgeous instruments these people made for well for over a hundred years now. And uh, so I, I shot off an email. Uh, just hoping that somebody would, uh, you know, call me back maybe. And I, and after a couple of weeks went by, I didn't expect much. Uh, but I got a call back from a guy who grew up in Minster, Ohio, just down the road from us. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe me putting in there Lima, Ohio uh, sort of worked. Uh, but he said, yeah, you know, let me get somebody on the phone. And uh, sure enough, that's who we have today uh, from Kamaka and Sons Ukulele. It's Chris Kamaka. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is really really fun for me. Uh, I've I've in the past couple months have done a lot of research on uh, mm-hmm. on ukuleles and and what it boils down to is everything you read, Kamaka man. That's you you look who uh, the top players are playing. It's Kamaka. You uh, you know search for ukulele documentaries or, you know on YouTube or whatever. There's a bunch of stuff about Kamaka, and I thought, well, this is uh, definitely the the guy I want to talk to. You are the uh, let me get this straight. The the grandson of the founder and one of the uh, yes. current owners of the company with your what your brother and your two cousins is that correct? Yeah, I'm the production manager. Uh, my 
my cousin Fred is an office manager, and then I have a, a younger brother Casey, who's actually a pilot with Hawaiian, but he's actually does all of our uh, custom work. So, but my my dad and my uncle are still currently the owners, but uh, we are basically running the company now. And uh, with uh, your job is is what sort of like quality control? Yes, and just just uh, seeing the production through from beginning to end. But when it, uh, you know, as as they go out, uh, any instrument's going to need that final check over to make sure the intonation's oh, yeah. correct. And and I assume with with what you do, that's uh, what you guys there at Kamaka do is a fairly important job because, like I said, people expect uh, a level of quality. And if they, you know, you know, uh, squirrel away the the seventeen hundred bucks or whatever it is from their wife without her knowing under <laughs> her nose, and uh, you know, this is all hypothetical, by the way. I'm not currently doing this at the moment. Wink. Uh, you know, they they send it off there and, and they they wait for their kamaka. Uh, they expect a, a certain level of quality, and you're the guy who who's making sure that when it goes out the door, it's up to snuff. Yes, basically, we try and instill that in all our guys. You know, at their different positions to maintain a certain level. And what I do um, before any of the instruments are sent out, I I check each one of them. Uh, before they get into our customers' hands, what is it that you're uh, that you're looking for as you go over everything? Um, basically, the finish, you know, cosmetically, um, you know, any any uh, adjustments that need to have been done as far as intonation, um, the action, you know, playability, and uh, just making sure it's up to par where, you know, if our customer picks it up, you know, we, we don't want them to put it down. You know, it's, it, it's comfortable for them. And as long as it's comfortable for me, I, I think I can get it pretty close, you know, with the help of everybody else. <laughs> How, uh, you know, when it, when it boils down to it, uh, among ukulele makers, I mean, you're somebody that, along with your, your brother and your cousins, you're eventually going to go into, like, the Ukulele Hall of Fame as manufacturers someday. Uh, you know, your, your dad has been and your grandfather, of course. Uh, uh, how much of a player are you? Uh, I get by on the ukulele. <laughs> um, I, be, I pretty much uh, I play in a group here in the islands. So we've been playing together for about 30 35 odd years, but I actually play the stand-up bass, acoustic upright bass in the group, and uh, um, they just got me on the bass because I, you know, I I, I wasn't that good of an ukulele player. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's four strings either way, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it boils down to it, was uh, you know, you grew up with uh, with this, and you know, I'm sure you've always known what your family did, and it's it's like I've always said. If you're uh, if you're a guy who works for a carnival, your kids are carnies. You know, I work in radio. My kids, from the time they were barely able to walk, were at concerts and you know backstage places. And you know, when yeah. I produce commercials, from the time they could make noise, I'm not even talking about saying words, but just make noise. I had a microphone in their face recording them because at some point we're gonna have to do a diaper commercial, and I'm gonna need the the baby crying. So you you kind of are whatever your family is up to a certain point, but right. uh, as you get a little bit older, you know you've got your own options. Was there ever a time that you thought, like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't for me, or is it? Was it always something in the back of your head where someday, you know, uh, this is this is what I'm going to do because this is what we Kamakas do. You know, um, 
I started full time here at the factory. Well, actually, part time back in the early seventies when I was in high school, and um, you know, I I actually helped uh, my folks pay my way through school because uh, they were able to get me to a, you know a, a very good school here in the islands. But um, I think you know we always grew up with ukuleles. Uh, in the house, our aunties and uncles all played professionally, and uh, dad always sang. He was with the glee club here in the islands, which is really popular. And you know, music was always part of our life. And uh, um, for me to get back into the, uh, the company was was fun. But I I enjoyed flying at the time, and. Uh, um, I went up with my brother who was actually taking flying lessons at the time and uh, it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought about going into the, the Air Force, but uh, I, I actually just uh, went over here to the University of Hawaii and uh, still worked here part-time. And um, yeah, that was basically how I got started. Now, the company's been around for well over 100 years at this point, uh, 100 plus, yeah. what, uh, four? Yeah. It was, you know, uh, 104 years. Yeah. 104 years. And for a lot of that time, you know, uh, business was done a, a certain way. Then as the, the business begins to change hands a little bit, uh, you do things different. I saw an interview, or it wasn't an interview, it was a tour. Uh, somebody had mm -hmm. filmed one of the, the Kamaka Factory tours and put it on YouTube, and I watched that. And so this is either your father or your uncle. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not my uncle. Yeah, I'm yeah. not not familiar with the uh, lineage, but uh, he said, uh, you know, the the four kids go off to college, and then all of a sudden they come back and go, we know how to you know change this business and make things better. Uh, and I I was interested what when when that happened there in in 2000 or whatever when you guys started to have more control over things, what what changes did you implement in the in the business? I think it was basically the uh, the manufacturing process. Um, how we how we did um, build the instruments is still basically the same. It's just okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. It's more of what we, what we, we implemented, more of a lean, lean manufacturing. And um, we were able to have a little bit more control. And uh, so far, so far, so good. It's been working out real well. Yeah, le less uh, chefs, the better the soup. You know, when it when it comes down to it, you know, keep uh, keep the fewest hands on it as you as you possibly can. But uh, even with that, you're able to produce. I'm, I'm guessing as many ukuleles as you need to produce. But uh, it's not a whole lot. 
this is what really surprised me, you know, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk to you. I've got friends at uh, some of the big guitar companies, and I certainly could have called, and they make some ukuleles there as well. Uh, but I, I could have called them, but I, I didn't want to talk to them because I know how those are manufactured. I'm I'm stunned by how many ukuleles you end up producing a day. Uh, how many is it? It's roughly right now about sixteen um, per day that are, are going through the process through each station. So there's usually sixteen completed that come up. Uh, from start to finish because yeah. these are so they, the process stick no go ahead oh uh, these are handmade instruments and i don't know if everybody completely understands but if it was a one of the big guitar manufacturers they'd be pumping out 250 oh, yeah. a day you know right. uh it's it's a much different world what is uh what is the process of of how one of these gets manufactured starting with the you know you get the shipment of untreated wood uh where's it go from there well, when we when we actually first purchase our wood, it, uh, we we get most of it from the Big Island uh, of Hawaii, Hawaii Island, and uh, when we do get it, it's still green, so we have to let it air dry for mm, at least a few years. You know, the sizes that we get now are about eight quarter, maybe two inches thick. So you're looking at roughly between a year and a half to two years to dry. So we need to purchase our wood at least four or five years in advance. And, um, you know, that that process already in the beginning takes takes some time. But then you know, once we start cutting it up into the various parts and then breaking them up into sets, and sometimes we still have to let them dry a little bit longer. And then from there it goes to the process, which takes about, oh, anywhere from seven to 10 days, roughly about two weeks for our basic uh, classical instruments. Wow, that is, uh, there's a lot of man hours that go into one of these. And it's reflected, yeah. of course, if, you know, if anybody listening has ever played a Kamaka, which uh, I have once, I, 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 my friend has one and I got to play it. And you can tell the difference. You see where the, uh, you know, the money goes. I've, I've bought seven in the past two months. I think the most I've spent on one oh. is about 450 bucks. And uh, you can tell the difference for sure. Uh, how's the how's the pandemic been for you? I realized that when I didn't hear back when once I'd sent off the email, usually you send a media request, uh, somebody gets back to you fairly quick. And I realized like, oh, I know why, because uh, there's a giant global pandemic going on. How has that affected uh, the, the business? It's been tough. You know, fortunately, you know, we're a little better off than some of the other uh, businesses in town here you know because you know our our state um depends primarily on tourism here in the islands and uh you know all pretty much almost all of the hotels are closed here in the islands now and um we just got back from uh shutdown uh last week monday so this is our second week um after i think it was a two-week shutdown that we had previous and um, because the numbers were getting pretty high and the uh, government was getting kind of worried about, you know, the hospital numbers. So uh, we shut down for two weeks and we're back. Um, but fortunately, we've been okay. You know, we, we still have our orders coming in and uh, uh, we, we're back to work 100% and uh, just got to count our blessings. 
I, I suspect the orders coming in are fast and furious. I know uh, Fender, you know, the guitar manufacturer, had a record year this year, basically due to uh, COVID. And it's it's the same thing that I did kind of unknowingly. I, you know, played guitar for 30 years, never well, but, you know, I've, I've owned some guitars. And I, at the beginning of this, I, I picked the guitar back up and started to play again. And then, like I said, once I found the ukulele, then... You know, I, I went completely off the rails and it, it's kind of become what I've been focused on uh, anytime outside of, you know, work and that kind of deal. And I suspect yeah. there's a lot of people like that that took up the instrument in this time. Have you seen an uptick in the orders? Quite a bit, especially um, uh, from our, our local stores here. Um, they, they just can't get enough of the instruments. So, um they say whatever we have extra, you know, they'll take. I bet. So you know, you know, it's it's been a blessing in disguise, you know. But uh, I really feel for a lot of these other guys that I've been having to close up, and uh, but we just gotta get through this together, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and of course, you you did the responsible thing by closing. There's certainly businesses that don't, and you know, I think that just uh, creates more problems and. And that kind of yeah. thing, but I I yeah, suspect yeah. that uh, because of all this, we're going to be on the verge of a, a new uh, ukulele renaissance to a to a certain degree. Which mm -hmm. I mean, the popularity of the instrument over the years has kind of ebbed and flowed. And of course, you know, in, in Hawaii, uh, got very popular in what the the early 1900s. Uh, right. But right. Uh, then once you hit the 50s here, you know, in the uh, in the lower 48 you have uh, this obsession with Hawaiian culture and it, and it becomes, you know, the guys coming back from the war stationed over there and you, you have a real, uh, a real renaissance in, in that regard. Are you starting to see, uh, and, and from what I've, what I've seen, it, it is past 15 years, have you seen an uptick in, uh, you know, people's interest in the ukulele? I noticed when these, uh, you see, you know, early to mid 2000s a lot of teenage girls on on the internet playing like ukuleles and their favorite pop songs of the day and i think that starts and then you have eddie vetter makes the ukulele album you have uh you know jake shimabrakuro uh, you know finding some uh, mainstream interest it seems like in the past 15 years there's been a real acceptance of the instrument oh no definitely um especially you know with those musicians that you mentioned uh, in the forefront as far as promoting the instrument and getting it out there and seeing how much can be done on just that little instrument. It, it's amazing. Um, but I've seen uh, quite a bit more interest, not only in a lot of, uh, you know, the professional groups, but, you know, all over the place. Um, it, it's, it's fun to see and you hear it in the recordings, you hear it in uh, commercials, and uh, it's just uh, great to see. For Thank sure. And, and I think it's uh, kind of becoming a little more integrated into popular music in the same way that, you know, if you go back to 1935, 1940, the mandolin was a very specific instrument. It was meant only for mountain music. It's it's a very regional thing. And then uh, once you hit the 70s, you start getting it integrated into, you know, uh, recordings from Zeppelin. And then in the 80s, you have, uh, you know, a big hit for uh, R.E.M. with uh, Losing My Religion, which has the mandolin. And it becomes a very much a, a mainstream instrument. And I think 
that's what's beginning to happen with the ukulele. Even even so, with country music, um, I don't know if you've uh, uh, is 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 uh, I guess I'm I'm pretty sure the country music's popular over there. Too. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's we, probably the the biggest right now. We had a we had a chance to uh, uh, do a song with uh, Josh Turner on his Going South album, and um, called My Hawaiian Girl. I guess he heard us uh, on on a radio station when he was. Uh, on a vacation with his wife on on the Big Island, and and he asked us to be a part of it, and that was kind of cool. But yeah, no, you, you just just to hear the instrument um, all around the place is just uh, fascinating. It, it really is, and it, and it it seems to work well for it. It's such a happy little instrument, it really is. But uh, you know, you see people working with it enough that I, you know, I know guys. Uh, one guy just mentioned Foggy Otis, who I had on the show, who uh, you know plays uh, an ukulele through a tube screamer, and uh, oh. he 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 rocks it, you know, and it it, it works <laughs> for that. I know plenty of guys who play blues and and country, and I tend to be uh, when I play, it tends to be more of an Americana kind of roots music, uh, because yeah. uh, that's what I'm familiar with. You you know you. Well, whatever instrument you're going to pick up, what you know you've got in you is going to uh, sort of uh, come out. Where do you see the instrument going from uh, from here? Do you do you see it becoming more mainstream? And does that uh, you know there's such a, a tradition with uh, Hawaiian culture with it? Do you think maybe it becoming more mainstream might pull away from that? Uh, you know, how do you feel about that? Because there's got to be a, there's got to be a balance. Yeah, I I don't think um, you know it'll disrupt as far as you know where where it has been where it's come from. Uh, I think just that's pretty much part of the Hawaiian culture is is is, is sharing, and, and um, just to have it more out there, I think would be a, a plus in itself. Um, do you guys have a lot of ukulele? Um, uh, festivals in your area? Do you know? No, I uh, and believe me, I've I've looked this up to see if there was an Ohio ukulele festival, and uh, I saw that some guy tried to start one a few years ago, and nothing really ever oh. came of it. But uh, that's something that I've already warned the family. I said, you know, the first one that comes anywhere near here, we're going, and you have to kind of deal with what Dad's psychosis is at the time. And right now, I'm pretty yeah, psychotic yeah, about yeah, yeah. ukuleles, you know. Uh, I was I was able to go uh, back in our when we celebrated our hundredth anniversary. I was fortunate enough to be invited to um, Lansing, Michigan, where they had this. Uh, that's not too far away. Uh, yeah, they have a ukulele festival right around Mother's Day, and it's what it's called the Mighty Uke. Okay, so if you get a chance, you go go and check that one out. They're good people up there. Yeah, that is uh, that's right up the road. We go to see some shows that come to the University of Michigan on their campus there oh, uh, yeah, from time yeah. to time. So uh, oh, I'm gonna have to write that down. We'll be we'll be attending that one for sure. Uh, with one of my biggest things with the ukulele and something that I I think is a great selling point for this instrument is that the what it takes to the entry level position, the talent you have to have to start playing an ukulele and the cash you got to have to start playing an ukulele is both very low. The The cost of entry to this instrument is as low as any instrument, if not lower. Right. Uh, you can get a playable instrument for a hundred bucks, 
is it going to be the best thing in the world? No, and you're not going to want it in two months like I found myself, you know, but you can get a playable ukulele for 100 bucks, and you have to have zero talent to start using it. Uh, what If somebody's out there looking for their, their first ukulele, uh, wh- what would you be looking for in an instrument? Well, a lot of people come in, and um, when they, they, they see the, um, the price of our instruments, they kind of get shell-shocked. You know, people that are haven't, don't have too too much they well they don't know too much about the instrument itself so we kind of direct them to there's a couple of music stores around here locally where you know they can purchase something decent just to, to get started on and um uh, you know it, it's a fun instrument you can do a lot with just two three chords you know and uh, that's what we try and get people to do if they're you know just an entry-level instrument like like for yourself for instance and and, um, you know, if there's any interest down the road where you'd like to, you know, advance and, and, and uh, get something from us, you're more than welcome. Yeah. And I, I think that's where a lot of people like myself uh, find themselves at this point where they go, this is great and all, but I want one of them. That right there is is what I want. And, and you, you know, I, I think you, you sort of downplay it a little bit. Your ukuleles are not... Uh, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Super expensive. There are, there are some that cost three, four times, you know, what your kind of, uh, you know, normal uh, tenor or whatever would run. But the quality that you guys put out is absolutely unmatched. And I, I think that, uh, you know, goes back how many generations now? There's, uh, oh, yeah. you guys, you guys, Somewhere. you guys know what you're doing. And uh, I appreciate that, James. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I Like I said, I wanted to talk to a, an ukulele manufacturer, and I got to talk to the best. So it uh, it works out well for me, and and uh, I, I appreciate your time so much. It was it was very nice to talk to you. Chris Kamaka from Kamaka and Sons Ukuleles. Thank you. Aloha to everybody. That was, that was really fun, man. I appreciate your time. Hey, anytime, man. Anytime. It's, yeah. uh, and uh, it's we can be of any help to you. Just let us know. Oh, I'm sure I'll be contacting you, but it'll it'll uh, be me sending a check for uh, for a <laughs> new one. Like I said, I just gotta squirrel that money away from the wife. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you just let Tony know your fellow Ohioan over here. He'd be happy to help you out. Very good. You tell him I said hey. I will. Take All right. care. Be good. Thank you. Bye bye. There it is. There's that music that uh, I'm not all that happy with. One of these days, I'm going to get it changed. I know anybody who listens to the podcast, you go like, he's been saying he's going to change the music for a while. I made this. This was my attempt at making a beat on, uh, I don't know, whatever comes with your iPad, whatever whatever that program is. And uh, what I should have done is just plugged in all my stuff and, and recorded one. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a, a ukulele one eventually. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see how it all goes. Uh, if you listen to the radio show or you listen to the podcast, you know that... Uh, a lot, of, a lot of ukulele talk 
at the moment because it tends to be about whatever I'm about. And uh, since the pandemic, that's what I'm about for sure. There's uh, there's no two ways about it. I don't know how I'm going to release these. Either it'll be uh, kind of together or maybe you heard it uh, the week before, but uh, we just talked with Chris Kamaka of uh, Kamaka Ukuleles. Uh, so uh, you get a little ukulele talk there. Now we're going to talk to the guy who, uh, unknowingly to him, taught me how to play ukulele a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm still I'm still trying. I really am. Uh, if you own an ukulele and you have YouTube, you've seen this guy's face. If you search ukulele tutorials, which is the first thing I did when I got my first one, uh, every other video is this dude's uh, big happy mug on there. And uh, the one I saw happened uh, to be a very kind of beginnery type thing. And the dude was rocking a an old English D hat. He was, uh, seemed to be a Tigers fan. I thought, this is my guy. This is the guy who's going to teach me to play ukulele. And, uh, boy, he's, uh, he's absolutely blown up. And I wanted to talk to him because uh, this cat's got an interesting story, and he's uh, on with us right now. Let's, uh, let's uh, see what he's about, man. It is Tyler Austinfeld. How you doing, brother? Good, man. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be on the show. I'm excited to talk about all things ukulele with you, man. You have... An incredible story. And uh, after I became aware of who you were, uh, you know, which is just through YouTube, okay. uh, I uh, I was searching around your name because I knew you had a Patreon. I was trying to find that. I, I like Patreon. I like to give, you know, a buck or two if, if I enjoy something. And I think it's going to uh, be a value to me. It's a, it's a great little thing. Uh, so I was trying to find that. And I found a Forbes article that came out the day before I was I was searching for it. Forbes magazine interviewed you and uh, I, I read your story and it's really incredible. And I thought, man, I'd, I'd love for uh, people to uh, people to hear this. Uh, so let's go back. What about 11 years? You're uh-huh. uh, you're you're graduating college. Where, where are you from uh, initially? So uh, that's kind of a loaded question because we moved around quite a bit. But I would I consider myself to be from Michigan, I would say. Kalamazoo County, Michigan, between Battle Creek and Kalamazoo, if you know Southwest Michigan. Um, Grand Rapids would probably be the biggest kind of city that's internationally known pretty close to there. But yes, there really is a Kalamazoo if you play Rampage in the 80s on Nintendo. <laughs> that is where I'm from. The original home of Gibson Guitars, actually, before they moved sure. to Memphis. Um, really cool stories about that, too. If you ever have the time, check out, uh, look for a story called The Gibson Gals, and it talks about the ladies that were making and stringing the guitars during the Second World War, and all the uh, ladies at Kalamazoo came together to keep those guitars up and running, which is a pretty cool story in its own. So I'm from there. Battle Creek is the serial city, and I attended Michigan State University, which is where I graduated from 11 years ago in East Lansing. So you graduate school 2009, the, the job market, not as bad as it is now, I'm guessing, but uh, it's bad for sure, yeah. you know. Uh, so you graduate with not a whole lot of options. What mm-hmm. do you, where do you go from there? Take me from right at that point, graduating school to where you sit today. Yeah, so I graduated with a degree in urban and regional planning. When I went to school, I kind of decided what I wanted to major in the day that I got accepted to Michigan State. I had no idea really what I wanted to study. And I was like, you know, I like cities. I like traveling. Urban planning sounds cool to me. So I thought that I could maybe naively, maybe realistically, I thought I was kind of able to fix social problems through infrastructure. 
you know, like create, use placemaking to kind of help make these cities a little better. If you spent any time in Michigan, or I imagine any time in the Rust Belt, because I know whether you're from Buffalo, New York, or Cleveland, Ohio, or... Yeah, and Lima is very much the same way, you know. Very much the same way. You got these donuts where outside the city is going pretty good, and downtown is dying, and the neighborhoods around downtown are doing terrible. But I always, these are the cities I grew up in. I got a lot of love for them, and I wanted to try to do something to help them out. And so I got a degree um, 2009 during the recession, toughest job market since the depression. And even in this global pandemic we're in right now, it might be easier to get a job right now than it was then. I have no idea. It was, it was terrible. And the only opportunities were asking for five years experience, and I didn't have five minutes experience. So <laughs> I got, um, my dad said, well, to back up a little bit, my dad worked for the YMCA, and we've always had a program called ICCP, International Camp Counseling Program. We've always had a lot of camp counselors from Columbia come to work at the YMCA's where my dad worked when I was growing up. And he had a relationship with the YMCA of Columbia, and he said, well, let's do it flip-flop. You can't find a job. Go to Columbia for a month and volunteer, and then you can come back and find your suit and tie job, you know, start the rest of your life. So I went for 28 days and I was offered an internship for six months in Bogota in a university called the Universidad de Javeriana. So I went back to Colombia a second time after volunteering for the Y for a month and did this six month internship at the language learning center there. And when I was working there, there was actually a transportation strike in all of Bogota. There was no transportation. The Transmillennial, which is their rapid bus transit system and all the buses, they were all on strike. In fact, we saw one bus driver that went to work and the other bus drivers pulled him out of the bus and burned his bus on fire, lit it on fire. <laughs> so you couldn't get around the city. And no, shit, was gets, no shit gets wild for sure. Yeah, it was very much, very much real. And so because there was no mobility, it was like this random spring break, a week of vacation, right? So I had $100 in my pocket. I went down to the bus station because they were still running buses between cities took a bus to Medellin. At that time, it was about a 14-hour overnight bus ride. Got to Medellin, didn't know anybody, couldn't speak Spanish. So I went to the YMCA here and I got there and there was this big circle of Afro-Colombians that were scholarship students through the United States Embassy and the director of the largest English institute in Medellin was there. And they said, hey, you speak English, come sit in our circle and talk to these kids, they're learning English. What do you do? Uh, I teach English in Bogota. Do you want a job? Yeah, sure. Why not? Finished my contract, went and moved to Medellin. And that would have been 2010. And I have been in Colombia ever since then. That was a year contract. And that also, I mean, that was 10 years ago. So I'm still down here. And as you look back on that now, and you've got a little distance from it, do you understand how crazy that dumb luck is? Yeah. Like, yeah. But but some of that is just being open to opportunities. The idea of, uh, you know, uh, I know 22-year-old me graduating college would not have been going down to Columbia. Like, maybe for a little bit. Like, Columbia, believe me, there's part of that that sounds like a party. Uh, yeah. But uh, to just to just go, you know, 100 bucks in your pocket and, and, and do it up uh, mm -hmm. it seems, uh, seems weird. But uh, you seem to be real accepting of, yeah. uh, of, the, of the new opportunities. When I was – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, to piggyback on that, I found that um, at that time, I just saw that movie with Jim Carrey, The Yes Man yeah, or whatever. 
And I was just saying yes to everything. Any door that opened, I was saying, you know what, why not? I, I don't know. And Mike Rowe, a guy from Dirty Jobs, he was talking about, <clears throat> he said, if you don't know what you want to do, the best thing to go out is to go out and do a bunch of things to figure out what you don't want to do. Start to narrow it down. So I kind of had those two philosophies in my head. And I was just trying every single thing to figure out. Cause I didn't know what, I mean, we're talking about trying to get a job and spending the rest of my life doing one thing. And I had no idea what it was going to be. So I was just saying yes to everything. And it's funny <laughs> when you say yes to everything, where you can end up, man. <laughs> you ain't kidding. And, and sometimes I'm guessing it can go super sideways, uh, but yeah. for, for you, it happened to work out pretty well. Uh, yeah. In that Forbes article, uh, I was reading that uh, you were kind of into making beats, which I actually yeah. talked about at the, at the top of the show here. Uh, and and doing that sort of thing how do you go from that and uh, you know 10 years later you end up as you sit here in front of me with uh, an ook in your hand yeah. uh, probably the most well-known ukulele instructor in the world i would i would venture to say there's a handful of us it's a small group um i can name probably about five or six of us that are depending on kind of your genre and your level of playing and your interest in music, one, you might gravitate towards one more than the other, but there's about five or six of us that um, would be recognizable. I would say it's a small, it's a small fraternity of us. And there, there's a small group of players, even professional players that are known. You got Jake. And then yep. after that, there's a big drop off man is died a long time ago. You know what I mean? So yeah. it kind of makes you one of the most famous ukulele players in the world, just overall, uh, certainly yeah. in the top 10. How do you go from making beats on your you know, MacBook or whatever to doing what you're doing today? That's a good question. And it kind of had to do with the developing um, of my musical taste and what I was listening to. So when I was 18, I got really into Al Green. Al Green was one of my favorites, right? Oh, yeah. And I just love his voice. I he, And he writes his music. A lot of those guys that make that music don't write their songs. Al Green writes his own songs too. So, and I was listening to a lot of Al Green and at the same time I was making beats and rapping on them. And I got into sampling music because I would hear, there was a particular drum break by the, the Honey Drippers and it was used in a Nas song. And then I ended up actually hearing that drum and kind of putting two to two together. And that's when I started to say, okay, like Fantastic Voyage from Coolio is actually this old sample from, I think it's like The Whisperers or something like that. So I started to get into the music behind the beat and what was getting sampled. And there was a record store near my house called Flat, Black and Circular. And they had these dollar bins and I would go and just get dollar records. And I had an old vinyl player and I would go back and I just listened to this old music and I started consuming a lot of old funk and a lot of old soul music, because that's what they were sampling. And I started to actually like the music that I was sampling more than the music that I was making. So I started to get really into things like Billy Paul and The Meters and Tower of Power. And I wanted to be able to make that music instead of the hip hop music that I was making. So in that process, I, I said, I, well, I have to learn an instrument. But still, at this point, I hadn't started. And I end up in Colombia. This is about two years after I'm doing the beat thing. And I can't speak Spanish. I'm alone. I don't own a TV. I don't own any furniture. I have a mattress on the floor in an apartment in Medellin, Colombia. One thing I own. And I go to see my family. And there's a broken guitar at the Y. Two strings. 
Hold on, we're uh, we're breaking okay. up here. We're breaking up here just a second. Okay. I think it's I think it's kind of evened out now. Yeah. You got me? Yeah, yeah. Cross continental uh, internet it gets weird for sure. It does too, and and we do the best we can with the internet we have here. But the internet in Columbia is not really famous for their internet, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So at that time, I really at, where would you where did I break up at when I'm talking uh, about right about uh, you were uh, old guitar at the YMCA. Okay. okay, so they say yeah, you can take it, but you have to learn how to play it. And I'm living in Columbia. I have a mattress on the ground. I don't own anything. I don't own a TV. I have a laptop and a mat. Ah, man. You're busting up again. Really? So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to figure out the language and I start to figure out how to play guitar. And I really start to gravitate towards that music that I was sampling and got obsessed with the guitar. Totally obsessed with it. And I'm learning on YouTube with a guy named Marty Schwartz. And I just played all the time, all the time for this year. And I ended up moving back to USA for a summer after that. And ended up working in a pool lifeguarding. And sometimes there the first hour, there was no lap swimmers. And I was thinking about my guitar. So I bought a $40 ukulele and I would take it to the pool and I'd play ukulele for an hour before lap swimmers came. And in that hour I started to, and I would try to just practice like melodies and things I wanted to play on the guitar. I'm sitting there and I'm going through them. And then I discovered the ukulele has its own personality. And I just became totally obsessed with that instrument after that, um, completely by accident, trying to find a way to practice guitar when I couldn't play guitar and became totally obsessed with the ukulele in the process. And there was nobody doing what Marty was doing with the guitar with the ukulele. So I started doing that because I learned guitar on YouTube. Um, nine years ago. I've been playing guitar for nine years and ukulele for eight. And so I just saw this hole. I said, if Marty did this for me with guitar, maybe I can do the same for other people out there with, with the smaller instrument. What do you think it is about the ukulele that, uh, that draws people to it? And, uh, you know, I, I've seen this myself. I started playing guitar when I was seven. I'm 40. Mm -hmm. uh, I was never great at it. But I was in bands and I, I enjoyed playing it, I guess. But I never got obsessed with the guitar in the way yeah. that I have with the ukulele. I don't know yeah. I don't know why in two months that I've played now, I now own seven of them. Uh, <laughs> my, my wife is concerned by this. Uh, we're running out of wall space for them. What, yeah. what do you think draws people to, the, to that instrument? Um, I find it to be like the most empowering instrument that I've ever really come across because the learning curve to get going is pretty quick. So like a piano, a guitar, bass, it takes, you got to struggle to get something that sounds like a song. You can get going on the ukulele pretty quick. Now it takes a lifetime to master. To be really, really good at it, it's like any other instrument. So there's a misconception that it's easy. It's, it's as hard as you want to make it but it is the easiest to get going. You know, a C chord is one finger, A minor is one finger, and you're off to the races. So I think from that standpoint, people start making music really quick and this whole notion of maybe I can't play an instrument dissolves very fast. And the minute that that's gone and you start to believe you can do it, you really just get sucked in by it because playing an instrument is a really special thing. Yeah, and th that's what I tell people too. The barrier to entry 
on the ukulele is solo. You can get a, a really playable instrument for a hundred bucks. Not gonna be yep. not gonna be perfect, but certainly playable. And uh-huh. you have to know absolutely nothing before you can, you know, I can teach my grandmother a song in two minutes. Like you said, a couple one-finger chords and, uh, you know, we can put together something for her, uh, I, I'm sure. The uh, So you get the idea of doing the, the tutorial videos for YouTube. You've amassed uh, 277,000 followers. I, I looked it up today. Over a quarter million people. There are... TV shows that have been on for years that don't have 277,000 people uh, watching them now. Where do you where do you take it from here? I, I have to assume, uh, A, you know, just knowing a little bit about advertising, that financially you're okay. If you were living here, you'd be fine. Columbia, lower cost of living. You got to be Correct. ball. I see, I see where you, I see the ceilings in your house. You're doing all right for yourself, for sure, brother. Where do you where do you want to take it from from this point? Um, that's a good question. The I, I would like to do an online school where the where the learning becomes a little more linear because I, I want to continue to empower people through the instrument. And with YouTube, you get on there, you search for the lessons. Oh, this one's cool. This one's cool. This one's cool. But there's no real path. So I'd like to create a dot-com that can organize it a little more structured so people can learn a little faster. That's an immediate goal to kind of just organize the content that I've created. We have over a thousand videos. We've been doing this since 2013. We have over a thousand videos. So I'd like to be able to make it so people can navigate these a little easier, learn a little faster and have a little more fun. But in terms of the channel, I got a lot of ideas, man. So. 2019, I bought a Eurovan and I drove around the United States for 13 weeks, just jamming ukulele, doing workshops, making videos, talking to the other people that do what I do. And there is this, there's an old family that used to go around and record um, the Lomax family, Alan and John Lomax, used to record strange music out of their truck on 78 vinyls in like 1920s they went to a prison and yeah, recorded lead belly playing that's where girl. we have those the field recordings of you know people yep. in the sugarcane fields yep. singing those songs uh, you know uh ain't no more cane on the brazos that's where we get yep. the first recordings of that for sure 100 percent. and those are all in the library of congress because of the lomax family so i would like to i've since sold that van i'm going to buy a new one and i'm going to outfit it into a mobile video and recording studio and I'm going to spend, you know, the latter half of my life driving around recording, um, recording music and trying to find people, local legends, go to a place like El Paso, El Paso, Texas, and find the best guitar player that never really wanted to leave the city. So no one knows who he is and give him a podium, um, take it up to Alaska, find some Inuits and document some Eskimo music, bring it down here to South America. Columbia is full of rhythms. Columbia is full of sounds and give these sounds a platform that they've never had before to share with people. So I think the future of 10 Thumbs is gonna be to document and really dig into these other styles of music, instruments, genres that don't normally get the the audience that they deserve and try to give them the audience that they deserve. And that's just like one of 10 ideas I have, but that's a big passion I have to do what the Lomax family did. That it's really cool, and and you've set yourself up in the way that I I think most people would be incredibly envious of. You're you're beholden to no one, 
you know, except for your viewers, you know, Uh, as long as you're consistent and and giving good information and giving good lessons, man, you know, they're going to be there for sure because there's always some, some kid picking up uh, an ook for the first time. Uh, So you're kind of set up in that way. Uh, Let's, let's explain to people how they can find your stuff. It's, it's 10 thumbs pro on YouTube. If you search that or you search your name, Tyler Austin Feld, it pops up pretty quick there. And you can get all that, and that's all free. Maybe you got to sit through a little ad, but uh, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the lesson. You also have, uh, as we discussed, in, in something uh, I you know I throw a buck into. I, I'm sorry, wish it could be more. Uh, the uh, the Patreon. How's the uh, how's the Patreon work? So the Patreon. Every if you go on the YouTube, you can learn for free. I want that to be clear. If you don't have any resources but a ukulele, or even if you just don't want to give anyone money, that's fine. You can learn. Most important thing for me is that you're out there learning, growing as a musician, musician, like musical competency is something that's very important to me. Musical literacy is something that's very important to me. And you can do that for free with us. We do create PDF files, printable files that are the tabs, the lyrics and additional information that does accelerate your learning that comes with every single lesson. And you can access this by becoming a patron. And you choose two things. You choose a pledge and you choose an amount. The, the pledge is how much you want to give, and then you choose a frequency. You want to do it two or three times a month. So you pledge $2, and you give three times a month. You give $6 a month. With that, you have unlimited access to as many PDF files as you want to download. You get in on the culture. We do surveys. If you give a little more, we have more rewards, too. With $5, you get the backing track, so you can kind of... <laughs> shred a little bit with that you can uh we do live lessons so there's you give more you get a little more but the foundation is you give a couple bucks you set a cap and you learn faster and you also do some uh some personal lessons via via the internet i know as we were leading up to this uh, conversation you said oh like i've got a student in dayton which you know is kind of right down the road from us uh how do people contact you about that because to me, that's, you know, I'm a little more old school. Like, I grew up having a guitar teacher. And, you know, some guy going, no, man, you're playing that wrong. Like, there's some instant feedback there, uh, which uh, I, I think is interesting. How do how do people hitch up about that? Well, real quick, shout out to my ukulele player in Dayton, Brigham. What's up, bud? I see you, number one Ohio ukulele player. You're going to be a superstar, my dude. The way to get a hold of me is to email me at 10thumbsproductions at gmail.com. And I have students from around the world. I have students in Ireland. I have students in New Zealand. I have students in Hawaii. We just make a time that works. If you are on the West Coast, it's probably going to be your mornings because I don't, if 9 p.m. your time is midnight my time. If you're in England, you're probably going to be doing it in the afternoon because it's going to be the morning my time. So we just find a time where we overlap and we rock and roll. Um, 30 minute lessons. I sell them in four packs. And we just cater them to what you want to learn. And it really does accelerate your learning. Lots of happy students with that. Everything from writing songs to learning how to solo to playing a specific song. But we mostly focus on musicality because I really want people to stop thinking about the ukulele as being a ukulele player. And I want them to think about themselves more as competent musicians that play the ukulele. That's another goal of mine, another mission in this empowerment of the player as well. And, and that's something you do really, really well. Like, like I said, I, you know, I took guitar lessons as a kid. I played for 30 some years. I've learned more music theory 
from just watching your YouTube videos than I ever did from anything else. To me, that was always, it was damn near like math, which, yeah. you know, I'm just not good at either. Uh, but uh, it, it it simplified it, and I started to understand some things. I started to understand things about the guitar that I never quite figured out, never quite got the grasp of. Uh, just from hearing you talk about the uh, the ukulele, and uh, you do a phenomenal job with it, and uh, you know uh, you you've kind of created your own path, and it's exciting to watch you, man. And I know when when I hop on there to learn something, you know, if I go like. Oh, man, I, I do. Let me let me see if I can figure out some jazz licks in A or whatever. So I search jazz licks in A, and you know maybe a couple videos come up. I always go to yours because uh, you, you've got a great attitude about it. You're just you have that personality that kind of draws people in, and uh, it, it's entertaining as hell. It really is. You're you're doing phenomenal work. I appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. It is something that um, motivates me, and when I hear things like that, I just put it right into motivation and knowing that there's people out there that like you that are enjoying it. That just makes me want to work twice as hard. Uh, that's very cool, man. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to you. Tyler Austinfeld of 10 thumbs pro. You can uh, find out more at 10 thumbs pro.com. Correct. And, correct. Uh, and 10 thumbs production on YouTube. Sorry to cut you off at 10 thumbs pro on Instagram and email me for lessons at 10 thumbs productions at gmail.com. Go buy yourself uh, an ukulele and and hit up the YouTube page, man. Start to learn how to play, and then call me up. We'll jam, man. That's uh, that's what it's all about. I appreciate your time, Tyler. Uh, it was really fun. Can I play us out a little oh, twelve-bar blues? Hell yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.